You know, I've heard other podcasts and not all of them are always really page turnerish. You know what I mean? So I think that if you just gave us a listen, you might have an okay time at least, right? <laughs> Perfect. There's a bug in there. Steve. Good. Thank you. I'm Carl. Good. Thank you. So episode seven, um, each week we give each other a recommendation, a thing we're excited about. Last week, I I told you to watch the Towns Van Zandt documentary called Be Here to Love Me. You had me listen to the Terrible Twos or sorry, Terrible Twos Horror Blank. You don't know how to say the second word. I in don't. Album and I don't want to say it wrong. I don't know. It's like vacui or vacu. I we'll leave it at that. When I saw Craig Brown at a bar one time, I didn't think to ask him that because Chris Brown. Chris Brown. No, Craig Brown. You had a chance to ask. You had access to the source, but uh, I, I can't talk to people, even with a bunch of milk in me. It just doesn't work out. Instead, you were like, "Hey, you know." You, you sound like Chris Cobain. You ever listen to Chris Cobain and Chris Novagelis? <laughs> Damn, you sound like him, dude. No, that was T. Hardy Morris. Oh, right. He did not like that. No. Who would? Really? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I thought I was going to... You know how you stumble over your words sometimes? Not you personally, but I do all the time. I've never... That's never happened. <laughs> That's, that's something I can't relate to, Carl. Do you think Fon stumbled over his words? He jumped the shark. Did he? What happened in that episode? I don't even... Th- well, was it him or was it someone else? I don't think I ever watched that. I just know what that means. Oh, it'd be a fun thing to look up later. Yeah, I call... When I go on Wikipedia, like in the night before bed or whatever, like I just call that research and that takes me down. <laughs> It's like if Sarah tries to shame me for just laying and being on my like phone, I'm, I'm like, doing I'm, research. I'm doing research about some stuff. <laughs> well, she say like too much blue light. Turn it down. No, I turn it to night mode. And someone that might have been a, a comedian's joke. I don't know if I, that's that an original thought of mine, but I call it research. I mean, you had, you adopted it even if it wasn't yours. Yeah, but I want to acknowledge the fact that that might not have been an original thought. It's hard to know anymore. I start. I just tr- started using um, night mode last weekend. You make it sound so cool. Well, I just, I didn't know it was a thing I could do. Like I, I've seen people have it, and I thought they had an app or something. And then I asked. I saw it, and I said, "How do you? What is that?" Because of the different color glow. Yeah, it just seemed appealing. They tell you to like back off. It's not that big a deal guy. No, they said, oh, you can do it just and they told me how to do it. But it's not that intuitive unless, you know, unless someone shows you because you got to hold like swipe the bottom of the screen to come up and then press down on it and then turn it orange. I know it's a little bit buried. I think it's bullshit, though. I don't know that that's real, like real science. Like who cares what color the light is? Let me do my research and I'll go to bed when I want (laughs) to. Right. Um, I should say I was reminded, um, my friend's wife, it it was her phone that I was looking at and I was like, Hey, what's happening with this? Um, but I should mention that because of my friend Ian listening to the podcast, 
he heard that I needed a, a stereo receiver and he gave me one. Wow. That's great. Thanks, Ian. Yeah. Thank you, Ian. Uh, I forgot to ask him uh, how much I owe him for it. So if you hear this episode, Ian, text me and tell me how much I owe you. It works f- fantastically. It's I I knew I had a issue with the receiver, which Ryan, my brother Ryan, gave me, and it was it was an old one, and it it, it mostly worked for a little while. But I was like, okay, the receiver's not quite working, and something else is not working either. I think the turntable and this fully functioning receiver allowed me to figure out tonight that uh, my turntable is in fact broken. Um, in multiple ways, this is the second way that it's broken. So I think I'm going to buy a new turntable, or maybe maybe we have another listener that has a free term turntable. Eric, <laughs> Eric, I should say, Ian, that my Pontiac vibe has been acting up. If you, <laughs> I don't know how much more direct I can be with this request. If he has a spare Volkswagen, yeah. If you have a a contact or a connect up at uh, Philadelphia mainline Tiguan. He might. He's in um, East Falls. He might have the East Falls Volkswagen connection. If you got a Tiguan connect, hit me up. I'm I'm in the area now. I'm in Delaware. (laughs) I drink a lot of milk. How is that all that milk drinking since you... You've been in Delaware for six days now. I had some serious milk action last night. So I went to the CVS. There's a new CVS down there, down the street. And I, I saw oh, that Pike there was... Creek CVS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you wow. know the area. Yeah, I, a, I grew up there. Yeah, so you, you must have loved it. I love it so far. Uh, <laughs> there's $2 boxes of Fruity Pebbles. So I got two of those fuckers. I ate a whole one last night and like I drank a, a lot of milk. A regular size box is $2? No, no, no. You know how Fruity Pebbles regular size is actually like a small child sized box. Not like the mini's travel box, but like a smaller box compared to normal. But still to crush that whole box in one sitting. Yeah, it was like four bowls. I felt horrible and I went to sleep feeling (laughs) bad about myself. Was that during research or? I did research after. I didn't feel great. And I think I like I'm starting to notice how food affects my energy level, especially this time of night. Like we're recording this podcast. It's like 9 p.m. and I feel tired and I think it's related to my food intake. Is that a real thing? I think uh, for sure. And you I mean, you consumed an impressive amount of carbohydrates and sugar luckily you had some some milk to wash it down with look little calcium in the mix we passed a lot of really funny billboards for milk on the way through pennsylvania and into delaware like shockingly shockingly like seven or eight no joke like different milk psas were like ended 20 years ago no they weren't even psas they were standalone advertisements for different milkeries. Is that a word? Milkeries? Oh, or dairy, dairy farms. Yeah. Milkeries. <laughs> do, your, do your research. Um, well, let's get to it. So you had me watch Margaret Brown directed Be Here to Love Me, a documentary about the life and times of Mr. Towns Van Zant. Uh, do you want to give some background about when you first saw that before I start talking? Yeah. Um, I don't really remember when I first saw it. It's been maybe f- four years ago or so. And um, 
I initially I was thinking I'd give you one of his records and probably would have. The one I know the best is the one we talked about last week, the live one uh, at the old quarter. And uh, luckily I didn't try to give you that because you already knew it. So that documentary just left a, an impression on me and felt uh, it's nice to, when I give you uh, things to get into, I know that I'm going to listen to the thing or watch the thing. Uh, leading up to the episode and I wanted to watch it again. So yeah, I think that's a thing I'm going to start doing. Cause before I, I mean, I would listen to some of the things mm. the week of that I recommended to you, but I not every time. And I think that's just good because you can just listen to it or watch it once without needing to have all of these uh, thoughts jotted down, you know? So I, I think yeah. it's just a good idea. And I'll usually I'll have like, if it's a record, I'll just kind of have that record on regular rotation the whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nice because sometimes it's a record that I have haven't listened to in a in a while, and I'll get like re how to what's the word acquainted uh, reacquainted but like um, familiarized. Mm, I don't know. I can't help you. I don't need help. I mean, I do need help, but <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <clears throat> the word escapes me, but just to get back into the record and if it's a record and remember why I loved it in the first place, it's fun. Right. Um, so you watched, uh, be here to love me last night. Yeah. Um, no, I researched how to watch it last night on, Oh, you watched it today. I watched it this early this morning. Yeah. Didn't I make a joke last week about how you can find it on, uh, walmart.com? You did. I thought you were joking at the time, but then I, I like, I'm not sure if you're still joking, but it turns out it's only available to, to rent on Walmart streaming service. Was that something you knew along? No, super weird coincidence. I was just making it a, a funny. I mean, it's a funny that came to pass. Prophetic. Is that a word? You're a guru. <laughs> a bit of a guru. Yeah. So Walmart's uh <clears throat> voodoo. Who knew? Yeah. I think we talked about it on. Was it a dollar seven? One dollar and seven cents. It was a dollar to rent. Uh, I think that we joked about how there was like Walmart's executive in a focus group. They're like, what would y'all want us to call this uh, streaming service? <laughs> what would y'all think is cool? <laughs> voodoo? Voodoo? Poo poo? Coo 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 uh, YOLO? And they settled on voodoo. Yeah, cuckoo, cuckoo, close runner up. What's not cool about it is now I want to cancel my membership and there's no way to do it. You have to actually call them. Oh, see, so I didn't thanks. Even check. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, so I mean, I knew that it was going to be a bit of a bummer going into <laughs> it, having having listened to any Towns Van Zant. It's not, I mean, he even says it's like, he's like, well, is life happy? Life's kind of sad, isn't it? Like he says that at one point in the document. I mean, so I knew any person who's listened to to Towns or had some interaction with his music at some point, like I didn't expect it to be the Mr. Rogers documentary by any means. Um, So my first reaction was about as sad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But at the same time, like worth a watch and any fan of his or just if, if, you know anyone who appreciates a you know near genius level artisan who creates music should give it a watch. 
I thought that the uh, the biggest thing that was helpful, which isn't available in a lot of these kinds of documentaries, like what? Thank God they had all this home video footage, right? Because without that, right, uh, it would have just been the interviews. But yeah, there wasn't that much footage of him playing live. I mean, there's a fair amount, but the home video stuff really made it. Yeah, I mean, it's important to have the context with all of his friends and a lot of the you know well known musicians that he was kind of moseying around with throughout his career but without that home footage like you don't really get that detailed of a glimpse inside of his life and who he was outside of all that so yeah and honestly i didn't know that cameras could do all that back in the 60s Uh, i don't know what i thought was available on the over the counter over the market but this you know (laughs) it is impressive that there's that much home video footage and it's the, it's so old. Yeah, especially like his earlier life, because I had no idea that he came from a, you know, sort of well-to-do family. Yeah. Uh, I think in Texas there. But so, I mean, that's right away when you hear how he, he shied away from all that. And like, even though he may have appreciated that he had a lot of love from his parents and th- like plenty of, um, plenty of things to do and to have as a kid he felt bad for the people that didn't have those things and that's kind of what guided him away from like wanting all those material possessions in his own life and you know he really didn't yeah and i think like the mental il- the impact of mental illness mm-hmm. in in how his life unfolded can't be overstated like he's a a pretty um, troubled figure for sure. And that's, that's kind of the other thing that I appreciated about this. It's, you know, a lot of documentaries or stories about musicians, they'll want to focus heavily on how they became well-known, but they really don't do that in this, like all of a sudden, like they, they show you footage um, of him talking to, in various interviews from, all portions of his life, like right away, it's all kind of layered on top of each other. So it's not like it starts at the beginning of his life and ends over here. I mean, it does kind of, but the, like throughout there's entire conversations and performances from different periods of his life, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, it is cool how it's not, it's not totally lin- linear. Um, it's almost like a collage. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I, I thought that it was edited well for that reason. But to to me, it it reminded me of a, the way it's kind of like an origin story, the way you find out how a superhero gets their powers. It's, it's almost in a, in a really bleak and sad way. Like after he got that electro shock therapy, it was kind of like he, he lost a lot of his childhood and long-term memory and just kind of like fully embraced, just wanting to go out there and, and do it. But at the, like what, at what cost, you know? Yeah. I watched it last night and for the second time and kind of forgot how abrupt the ending is it almost it feels like it ends quickly and kind of too soon but it it feels like kind of masterful on the filmmaker's part because i suspect like people that knew him or if you were a fan of his when he was alive like it probably felt very abrupt he wasn't uh particularly old no, 52. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that too. I was, I mean, I knew the end was going to be the end of his life, basically, but it did feel like all of a sudden, boom, 
before yeah. they they talked about how he was dead. It was footage clearly of his funeral. Yeah. What was it? He was making a record like just a few months before he died. He was trying to record with one of the guys from Sonic Youth, but it uh, the guy from Sonic Youth, I forget his name, Steve, some, I don't know uh, Sonic Shelley. Youth. Steve Shelley. Yeah, he canceled it. Yeah, I think he was. Um, I think he's their producer. I don't or um, engineer. I'm not sure he was ever in the band. Oh, okay. See, I don't know about that band. Sorry, Sonic Youth fans. Ian, I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Ian. I think Ian is a Sonic Youth fan. I am too, but I don't. I don't know a whole lot about them. It's there's so much to to um, take in with that band. One thing about the electroshock therapy that. It's, it just seems like such a, that's such a dated procedure that was done on people. Cause another well-known example of that, I think is Rocky Erickson from 13th floor elevators had yeah. that happened to him and that really fucked him up too. And I saw him play in Ferndale a couple, like a year and a half ago. And I mean, he had really no business being on the stage in my opinion. Like he, really? at this point, yeah, he, his backing band was lifting him up big time. But you know, when you're an artist, you want to perform as long as you can so i get that but like you can see the effects of something like that was he not coherent no he was like coherent enough but like i don't think his chops were up to par you know i don't know that he could do much beyond playing like basic cowboy chords but you know who am i to say that he shouldn't be doing what he likes to do but you know what i mean uh so i think like really it it paints a really bleak picture about the realities of having a genius level creativity, but coupling that with a crippling addiction, it's like very much a movie or documentary about self-sabotage in a way, but also he says at the very beginning, he designed it that way. So, and he's leaving all of the good things that he has in his life in pursuit of his dream, but at what cost it like sacrificing in relationships with his kids and any other families. And even when he's presented with these other good opportunities like a big tour finally he fucks it up or he finds some way to ruin it for himself and is he doing that out of you know desire in some twisted way he doesn't want success for himself or just he kind of makes it happen or leaves it up to chance and that's what happened but it just seems like he wanted or needed some sort of hardship in his life to stay grounded um in order to write but uh, it's hard it's it's a tough thing yeah, I think a lot of musicians could see the appeal of a, a life like that, you know, in some some way, like that kind of cult figure notoriety, underground notoriety. But uh, like, is it a life well lived when you're dying at 52 because of an addiction like that? Like, sure, surely he had a bunch of good times and made a huge impact on music and left a lot of great songs and an impact on future generations behind. But, you know, what about 20? 30 more years with your kids. Uh, maybe he didn't want kids, but like who's to say what is the right or wrong choice or something like that. But it's just sad, you know? How about that moment where he's playing in a house, his house or someone's house, and there's a old older guy in the background and he's just crying, like listening to Towns play, you know, just a very stripped down raw uh acoustic guitar and singing yeah i saw that and it was odd because at first i was like oh is that guy tearing up or is it just the video quality and then eventually you start seeing tears and you're like oh he's totally crying but i mean i'm sure that like if you saw that if you saw towns play in person 
in you know really any performance like even his one friend i think guy or one of the friends that he had that he was close with said that you know he saw the saw him numerous times play near to near perfection and yeah that's hard to do also when you are addicted to all these different things at the same time so i mean that's impressive to be able to do that number one but no one can deny the power of his playing uh the other thing i thought was he didn't really seem to to care at all about like earning like money in some large way <laughs> from his music and yeah. nor did he seem to care about owning the publishing rights to his own music because he almost like he ended up selling it to his third wife and the kids, but he almost sold it for $20 so he could get high. So, and then there was that other, the record uh, producer, Kevin Eagers, maybe and like his little brother was his kind of stage road manager slash handler. But that guy was kind of a dick and like held on to all these recordings they had done and didn't put them out until after he died. Classic, classic dick. The brother seemed like a stand up guy yeah he was the weed guy he disliked weed yeah, yeah yeah he uh i did some i was doing some research as you know i like to do on wikipedia that guy um he said that towns was his first child just because of all the you know babysitting yeah that you want to call it when he was too fucked up to do this or that um so overall i, I give it a five because you know besides the fact that i enjoy his music I thought it was a really, really insightful look into the other aspects of his life. And, um, but also at the same time, like super tragic and you kind of know what you're going to see, Yeah, but hard to see at the same time, hard to watch. So I don't know. The lesson is find your passion, but determine what you're willing to risk in order to achieve it and move forward. Bye bye. Sad hashtag sad boy. introduce the terrible twos uh so i mentioned last week that terrible twos are a punk band out of detroit michigan in case you're confusing it with detroit texas <laughs> maybe that's actually a real place i don't know hopefully not uh i never actually saw them live but i came upon the music just from interactions with various people that i knew um, a couple of people from my work who played in bands in Detroit. And then I, I had seen my, one of my coworkers band and he just ran in the same circles as Craig Brown, who's one of the people in terrible twos. So that's how I discovered that record. And I just really enjoyed it. Uh, another really f- pretty quick listen. I thought it was well-produced and, um, I didn't get to see them as I said, but I, I certainly would have liked to had I had the chance. So that's why I've been kind of listening to things that he's been associated with, but it seems um, like terrible twos was well-received in the Detroit scene um, when they were active. So interested to see what Craig Brown continues to do. Not huge uh, into his current project on third man. It's more of like a weird twangy type project, but like drunk, drunk twang. I don't know how you would describe it, but it's, not everybody's cup of tea. I don't know, but I enjoyed this record. Yeah. Um, I'd be, I'm, I'm going to check out, um, his newer stuff. This, uh, I, I like this a lot and I'm 
intrigued that he's making a different style of music. Um, it's fun. Also, art. I feel like they've played sort of recently. This band, Terrible um, Twos. Yeah, is that possible? Or I mean, he's. I mean, he. So he tends bar still. I'm sure. Um, and he probably gets, I don't know the other person that he played with and nor do I even know if it's just two, it was just two of them, but, uh, it's a four piece. It seems, or f- maybe even five. Cause there's a keyboard player. So yeah, I don't even, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe do some research. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, I felt initially just, um, right up my alley. I was, uh, immediately felt engaged and the um it felt also like a good record to follow the jay retard record from last week um Mm -hmm. that you had because they just kind of feel like in similar veins the i was noticing how extremely diy all their artwork and um posters and the um it's just like everything looks like done by hand and kind of delightfully raw and sloppy um this record which we won't name because we don't know how to say it like <laughs> has a hand-drawn kind of comic book style cover um there's an explosion of sorts and some of the things that i could identify coming out of the center of the explosion uh a tooth band the band members heads um mouths eyes pills there's a lightning bolt going through a hand i think there's a goose and maybe some intestines so and this kind of fits it the sound to me started quickly sounding like i guess 80s horror movie it's not really 80s sounding music but it just felt influenced by i suspect these guys are roughly my age maybe a little bit older but you know grew up with um, 80s movies and TV. The uh, the instrumentation, as we touched on, was interesting and uh, and unexpected for a punk band. They have a keyboard player. It um, it was hard not to make comparisons to Murder City Devils, who another punk band with a keyboard. And there's some similarities there, but this band um, also it just felt like they had their own thing. Um, but they also reminded me quite a bit of Rocket from the Crypt, which made me like them right away because I just love Rocket from the Crypt so much. And um, to have just kind of more music in that style was exciting. The um, They have funny song titles, which I appreciate. Have, did you ever listen to Minus the Bear? No. They also have funny song titles. But some of the titles on this record... Um, the terrible twos record. We have to go to the bathroom. You can't have my chips, crusties. Are you bleeding? Michael Stipe is my gay dad. Which just sounds appealing. Wouldn't it be cool to ha- if Michael Stipe was your dad? Come on in. The water's warm. Are you? Uh, do you like REM? I like uh, Michael Stipe's voice. Yeah, it's it's soothing to me. Uh. Not a but, huge REM fan, though. I mean, I haven't explored REM more 
than like some of the radio hits that I heard when I grew up in the nineties, honestly, but like his voice brings a calm. It's not, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't hate his voice. I wouldn't, if he was my dad, I guess that'd be fine. I'd be, I'd like it because I like, I like REM a lot and he seems like he'd be a good dad. One of the guys in the, in this band is named Jonathan Bobcat, which feels notable. Hmm. That's a pretty cool name. Rawr. Um, <laughs> the genre, uh, they are described on their Facebook page as splatter punk comma high tech punk some phrases that came to mind as i was listening to it some of these will be um fake genres or just phrases that i like that felt applicable uh beer soaked space camp punk science fair punk sloppy joe rock uh ribbon cutting at the bmx trail (laughs) monster squad at the IMAX theater. They just, I, for me, I don't know if it's just because I'm a product of the eighties and nineties, but it just sound, I just kept seeing like low budget, um, horror movies or, you know, um, who's the pretty in pink guy? Is that John Hughes? Yeah, I think so. He did the 16 candles and home alone and, Oh, he did home alone too. Yeah. The first one. (laughs) Um, he died. I thought we had moved on from towns to something more lighthearted. Did we? We apparently did not. Well, life is not lighthearted. Life is sad. So yeah, this this is just, um, I was excited about the spirit of this music. It uh, Sloppy Joe Rock, <laughs> I thought, um, because <laughs> it felt, I mean, it's like, if it sounded like all first takes. Like they just played the song once in the studio and they're like, yep, nailed it. <laughs> you know, like if you make a mistake, why you don't have to fix it. You don't have enough money to fix it. You just but like still good enough at playing that it doesn't, it's not taking away that much. Completely yeah. solid. But sometimes, um, stuff that I'm most excited about is sloppy. Right. Um, and this, this did feel loose to me. Yeah. And they just like, um, it's like they can make a lot out of a little They're An example of that is the, f- the first song on the record, Goggles. I think it's the first song. The chorus is one word, Goggles. And they managed to kind of twist it and bend it and scream it in a way that makes for a really cool chorus. But, you know, if you told me on paper, like, okay, we're going to, we we just wrote this sick chorus, um, just one word. I'd be like, mm, sounds like uh, some sort of Bill Nye chorus. Really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I wrote a haiku, jamming Econo, howling at the melting moon, never sleep again. Your haikus have been pretty solid of late. <laughs> they're um, they're a bit serious, but if it's fun to to try to um, sum up how I feel about a record in. How many syllables is it? 21? 575. Five. That's 17, yeah? 17. I'd like to add to the mix goggles, somewhere in the dark, a world, or sorry, a word and a world, which sounds like a Rocket from the Crypt B-side, like an old, older, early Rocket from the Crypt song. Um, and five bugs in there. Hell yeah. 
I loved it. I'll be listening to it more. Yeah, check them out and check out Craig Brown Band. I'm curious what you think about that. I will. Talk about song of the week. My song of the week, I last week, my brother texted me and asked me if I wanted to be in a Blondie cover band for Halloween. And really? I said, yeah. And I said, yeah. Um, and then left. we left it at that. And maybe we talked about some other stuff after that. But then I didn't hear anything since then. And so I texted him today and was like, who's in the Blondie band? And um, when can I have a track list so I can start learning the songs? And he was like, oh, we bailed on Blondie. (laughs) (laughs) He said, it turns out they don't have any good songs. Oh my Um, God. Which is kind of true. But so I wanted to add, I mean, every, everyone knows this song, but it is a great Blondie song. So I want to add it to the list. Um, Hanging on the telephone. Uh, So how about you? Uh, I, because I watched the doc, I had to do a town song um, because I wasn't, well, I guess I could have added songs because it was there were town songs throughout the whole documentary obviously yeah but i'll just add this to the playlist uh she came and she touched me off of live at the old quarter and then we actually my friend and i actually played that one time when we played a like an acoustic show so it also also holds a special and special place in my heart but also it's just it was really difficult to learn because of his lyrics are so good so you know, it's kind of a longer song, but every verse is really intense. So yeah, it took a while to, to learn that, but, um, it's good. It's a good listen. So next week, I'm thinking for you, um, Super Unison. This is topical because they're playing in Philly in November. Bay Area hardcore band. Actually, uh, they can't like punches the band before Super Unison that has the same singer, and I'm not sure if if there are other um, what do you call it members in common. But they were a hardcore band. You might call Super Unison like a post-punk, but I think you'll be into it. And I'm hoping to go to the show. Uh, What's the album? It's called Auto from 2016. They have a new record coming this month. There's two singles from it out now, but the record's not out yet. So do Auto. Cool. Maybe I can go to that since I live on the East Coast now. Yeah, that'd be we could have a little field trip. So for me, I kind of wanted to do another doc just because I just watched one and I just really needed it to be the opposite of what I watched this week. We're going to blow up voodoo again. No, this isn't on voodoo. And I'm going to ask you to spend $5 to rent it because it's pretty recent. Are you okay with that? Yeah. I I mean, do we have a, the business account set up yet? No, but I'll give you five, five dollars. I'm not going to get reimbursed. Uh, you could. 
Okay. What doc? Uh, we talked about it already. Mr. Rod, won't you be my neighbor? Oh, is it rentable? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. That's kind of a um, different assignment for us because I don't think that we've yet to give one another a thing that we're already excited about seeing. Like I've heard great things about that movie. Yeah. And I can tell you that it has like a 99% loved it on Fresh to- fresh Tomatoes. So I mean, most people liked it. I loved it. <laughs> Pretty sure it's not called Fresh Tomatoes. What is it called? Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't right. <laughs> but you just went with it. You committed. You're too old. So people people liked it. Uh, it's a, it's not like the town's doc. Not saying that wasn't good, but this is a different kind of good. Uh, and I, you know, you're going to tear up. I'm excited. Uh, so put on your, your cardigan and take off your shoes and sit down and watch it. I keep a cardigan on my chair at work. You know, if you love Steve Ellis and me, Carl Grashit, you must be kidding yourself. We're not that great. But if you want to follow us on social media, you know, you should. I think you really would enjoy it. Steve, it can be found at Hareford on Instagram. Hareford. I'm posted a a piece of artwork um, one hour ago. I saw that I liked it, I think, or I liked it in my head. I don't know if I gave it a like yet. Could you go there and tap that now? Yeah, I'll do it as we speak. Crush a like. You can follow me, Carl Grashit, and all these same places, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all them motherfuckers. C-A-R-L-G-R-A-T-I-O-T, Carl Grashit. I just gave you the like, Steve. You're welcome. It's well worth it. It's a nice piece. A nice piece. I'm not joking about that. We would appreciate it if you would give us a review. Ryan, I don't know what's going on with the one that you left three times, but keep trying, my man. I appreciate the effort. Maybe we should just have him call in next week and he could do his review on air. Yeah, if you would, um, well, try to leave a review with iTunes and Google Play or whatever and always give us a five star. It's like only the thing you can enter by default. Um, but Ryan, I suggest you... you <laughs> Ryan, I suggest you use the Anchor app um, and then leave us a voicemail because then we can finally hear. You can air your grievance and we'll put it on the podcast. Oh, that's a good uh, idea. Yeah, it's a good way to use that finally. Um, but anyway, that's who we use to distribute this podcast. Our intro and outro music is provided by Newark, Delaware's finest pizza eating band, Hokkaido Concern. Nice, nice guys. They drink a lot of milk. People love them in this area. They're well um, regarded in this town, just like Joe Biden. Uh, Our show is produced by Sarah Taylor Cummings, who maybe will be here next week. We don't know. She shows up when she wants like Jesus. And I'll I'll end this with and also with you. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, then.